Our scripture for today is found in Luke 5, verses 27 through 32. It's Luke 5:27-32. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come not for those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today we're starting a three-part series on our vision statement. But before we do that, and I talk a little bit more about what part of the vision statement, I want to just watch a little video, and I think many of you are going to relate to this video in some way. Here's a few reasons why people don't go to church. I can't come to church until I get my life together. Church is how I got my life together. Church is filled with a bunch of hypocrites. And there's always room for one more. (laughs) All they care about is your money. They care about me, not about my money. Is there some kind of dress code? Yes, the code is wear some clothes. Church, it just makes me nervous. I was nervous at first, and then I felt right at home. I'm not sure I believe everything that you believe. But you can still belong. Church is for wimpy, girly men. You want to say that again? If you knew me and what I've done, you wouldn't want me. If you knew me and what I've done, you wouldn't be worried. You can come to my church even if you were brought up Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Jewish, Mormon, Lutheran, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Church of Christ, Southern Baptist, a little bit of everything and a whole lot of nothing. See, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. So please, come to my church. Where nobody's perfect. Where beginners are welcome. Where socks are optional. But grace is required. Where forgiveness is offered. Where hope is alive. And where it's okay to not be okay. Really. Isn't that a wonderful video? That was made, yes. That was made by a church in Las Vegas um, where they espouse come as you are. But I thought it fit our church as well, especially the socks optional part. <laughs> Except when, it, when you get up in the morning and it's 45 degrees, then you put socks on. But it's optional the rest of the time of the year. So we're starting the first of a three-part series on our vision statement, and the, the part today we're going to talk about is a community 
where imperfect people. So, but I, first of all, I'd like us to read this together. This is our vision statement. This is what we filter every ministry through, everything we do through this vision statement for our church. So let's read this together. Bee Creek UMC is a community where imperfect people are transformed by the perfect love of God and change the world together. That's what we're about. That's what we do. That's who we are. And so today we're focusing on the community of imperfect people. Now we're going to step back to our scripture here. Um, Author Larry Bloom wrote a narrative about this passage in Matthew where Jesus is calling Matthew, which, by the way, it says Levi, but later on he'll change his name to Matthew. And it really describes, I think, the whole scenario. It reads into it a little bit and it expands the story. If you just would indulge me for a minute, I'm going to read this to you. Levi had been a tax collector. That meant he had essentially worked for Rome. And that meant he had been considered a traitor by most of his neighbors. Tax collectors and sinners were synonyms. Whatever Roman official had crafted the empire's internal revenue system had been a genius. It was designed to encourage collection corruption. So long as Rome received its prescribed amount for a region, collectors were free to keep any overage. There was serious money to be made by the financially ambitious and ethically unprincipled. And the more corrupt the collector, the more aligned he became with his own, alienated he came from his own people, thus increasing dependence on Romans' continued governance. It had been a hard vocational choice. A tax collector's income was both sizable and reliable. It wasn't as vulnerable as the other trades in the region, fluctuations of the market, but it required that one be willing to endure a different kind of drought, social respect. When Levi became a collector, he knew he was trading his reputation for financial security. Therefore, he kept a prudent distance from synagogue society and made his friends within the inner sinner circle. And then came the strangest and best day of his life. Levi had heard about a rabbi named Jesus. Everyone seemed to be talking about him. There were reports of astounding miracles. People were puzzling over his parables. And now Jesus had come to town. Levi had hoped to hear him preach, but he was swamped with work. Tax collectors dare not disappoint the regional managers. Sitting in his tax booth, Levi had been a bustling crowd. He saw a bustling crowd approaching. Experience had taught him to keep his head down and look busy to avoid making eye contact with his despisers. Suddenly, the bustle had stopped right in front of him. He could feel people's eyes on him. He heard murmurings. He looked up cautiously. An intense young man was staring right at him, and he knew immediately who it was. It was Jesus. A nervous knot formed in his stomach. He braced for a rabbinical rebuke. But what Jesus said was this, follow me. There were gasps from the crowd and a murmuring hum. Levi sat and frozen, stunned. Jesus was clearly speaking to him, but what did he mean, this follow me? Jesus' expression grew more earnest, and he beckoned with his hand. He wanted Levi to literally follow him at that very moment. A jumble of thoughts glided in Levi's mind. What about the tax booth? Where was Jesus going? Would they be gone long? 
but he also felt an exhilaration and joy he had never experienced before. For so long he had assumed and been told that God didn't want anything to do with him. But now it seemed that through Jesus, God was speaking directly to him. And despite the fact that abandoning his booth would no doubt cost him his job, Levi suddenly realized that he would gladly trade all that financial security for following Jesus. So he laid down his quill, stood up, and simply fell in behind Jesus. He had never felt freer in his whole life. Often when uh, many of those things that were listed for reasons why people don't go to church, uh, all those hit home. I've heard all of those, especially the hypocrites one. I love the response. You know, there's room for one more. Um, and because from a few months back in a sermon, I mentioned about if you find the perfect church, don't go there because you'll ruin it. You know, the idea is because we're, we're imperfect, remember, that's part of the statement. And, uh, but the number one thing I think I hear the most often is that, well, I have to get my life together first before I can go to church. I got to get my act together because God wouldn't want me there. I get struck with lightning if I stepped in a church sanctuary. I got to get my life together first. Well, the problem with that one is, is the problem is that they're doing it on their own. And as we know, and as you hear often, we're a community of the imperfect. We're still trying to work it out. And if you're waiting to get your act together before you come to God, it ain't going to happen. Because we're on this journey together and it's a long journey. If we turn our attention to some more imperfect people, that would be the disciples. That Matthew, Levi, who would become Matthew, is one of. They often would mess up, not understanding the parables. We, all, we know the Garden of Gethsemane where they fell asleep when Jesus asked them to not fall asleep. But here they are. Jesus is calling to them, recruiting these sinners. And if we say we don't have sin, then we are calling God a liar. In fact, it says so in the Bible in 1 John 1. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living the truth. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. We know this. We know it from the testimony of our own lives, the daily mistakes we made, the daily wrongs we do, intentional or unintentional. We are imperfect. I grew up in a denomination that uh, taught external holiness. That's what I call it. Um, it was claimed to be a holiness denomination, it, uh, very legalistic. When I say holiness, external holiness, I mean there was a lot of rules. Maybe not like the 600 plus the Pharisees had, but uh, there was a lot of rules. Well, for us teenage boys, we knew it was simple. We kind of narrowed them all down to one is don't dance, don't drink, don't shoot, don't go with girls who do. That was pretty much it. Uh, we had that. We were good to go. Um, the problem is with that is if, if you do any cursory reading of the Gospels, is that Jesus often is talking to the religious elite who had all the rules down, but where did they go awry was in the heart. And Jesus was calling them onto the carpet for their heart. Because Jesus was saying it's about the inside 
and not so much about the outside. So if we are going to, so we ask, well, what do we do with this then? What do we do with all this, that, this passage where Jesus is calling Matthew? Well, Jesus is our example, isn't it? We follow Jesus and what he do, does. And if we look to him for an example all the way through all the Gospels, he was always going to the margins. Those people who were considered sinners by that society and calling to them and rebuking those who supposedly had it all figured out. And for us here in our church, if we want to be what that statement says, a community where imperfect people, and then we'll talk more about the other parts of the passage over the next two weeks, but we're a community of imperfect people, if we are going to totally live that out, that means we have to be accepting of whoever walks through these doors no matter where they're on that journey with God. And so there's four principles I want to talk to you real briefly about this morning that I think we need to watch out for as we try to be this community of the imperfect. Number one, leave your pride and other stuff at the door. Another passage in Luke 18, Jesus describes a tax collector and a Pharisee again in a parable, and they both come to give an offering. And it says, the last line says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. We have to come with this humble attitude that we are dependent on God for everything. And when we do that, that means leaving pride at the door. You've heard Laura preach before about the manure. Have you heard that? Maybe you're new and you haven't heard that sermon. Manure happens, kind of a thing. Those of you who may have grew up on a farm, you know that you have to have a manure management system, right? Or something to do with all the manure that happens, especially if it's a cattle ranch. Um, You have to do something with it. And the analogy is given of all week long when we go through life and all the hurts that happen just in the week, all the sin that we inflict on others and and all just the mistakes we happen, it's kind of like this, it's like a manure that just builds up and builds up, and if you don't have a plan to deal with it, it's going to clog up your life and weigh you down and consume you in manure. But if we think of it this way, every time we gather together, every time you gather in your small group, every time you gather for worship, we take that manure and we pile it up on the front doors, and there's just a giant pile of all that manure That's your management plan. You take care of it each week. And then God takes it, turns that manure into something good to grow you and others as we do this together. We have to leave the pride at the door. Second thing is this. You've got to leave the judging to God. This might be the hardest one for all of us. I often struggle with this one, driving down Highway 71. That's usually where I struggle with the most, judging someone else's driving abilities. But we're commanded not to judge, though. In Matthew 7, 1 and 2, it says, Judge not that you have not be judged. For the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with a measure you use it, it will be measured to you. We are commanded not to judge. And that goes right along with pride. The next comes judging. Well, what's the cure for that? We should love each other. 
We should love each other. Romans 12 says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Because you see, love is that oil that's kind of between our relationships, that when friction occurs, love is the thing that keeps that friction from occurring. And we need more of that. We drop the pride, we drop the judging, and we love. And when those tensions happen, and it's going to happen, when you truly love somebody, doesn't it make that situation a lot easier to deal with, right? If we have a genuine love for each other, I'm talking about agape love, the kind that comes from God that is beyond this world, where it says even that, wow, that really hurt, but I love you. We're going to work this out. We're called to love each other. And that demonstrates to the world, wow, they got something that the world doesn't have. These people admit they're imperfect, yet they have a way to love each other. And the fourth thing is this, just accept the fact that it's going to get messy. It's kind of back to the manure analogy. It's going to get messy. Um, You know, Jesus had this habit of just dealing with the messy people. Because he said, why? Because he said it. He came for the sick who need the great physician, who need that fix for their soul. In his book, Messy Spirituality, Mike Iaconelli wrote, Some of us actually believe until we choose the correct way to live, we aren't choosable. That until we clean up the mess, Jesus won't have anything to do with us. The opposite is true. Until we admit we're a mess, Jesus won't have anything thing to do with us. Being authentic, that's coming to that place and just showing an atmosphere of being authentic. We demonstrate it with our clothes. It's a kind of an outward symbol I hope we hope to be that, hey, we're authentic. This is who we are. No pretense, no show. This is who we are. When we make mistakes on stage, everybody sees it and we just acknowledge it and we move on, you know, wherever it may be. Try to be authentic. But that process is a messy one. It can sometimes be really messy, but it's worth it. I've mentioned before, for those of you who maybe heard in a previous sermon, about um, how my family and Jana's family came to faith in Christ. Um, when it talks about being uh, coming into the kingdom messy, I, we can talk about both families, but I specifically love especially love hearing the story of Jana's family and their parents when she, when she was in second grade, that little church two blocks away from them invited them to Sunday school, VBS, and the kids went first, and, this, and they weren't even close to living anywhere near to uh, wanting to, anything to do with God at that point in their lives. Yet through all that, her parents started coming to church even with all the messiness still happening in their lives, and came to faith in Christ, and the whole family just blossomed from that point on. It radically changed their life because a church went into the community and was willing to embrace and get involved in the messy lives of those around their church that their lives were changed. In fact, the problem this church had in in church growth, they would reach out to the community Share Christ with them. They, people get their lives turned around and they move off 
to a better neighborhood. Now, a lot of them came back and they would drive in, which was the good news. But so often they were so successful, people would move to other places and other towns because they got their life straightened out. So the question for us is this, is, is who are we going to be as a church? Who are we going to be as a church? Are we going to have the willingness to be that authentic community that's willing to love radically each other first and then the world and those in the world? Are we willing truly to be that authentic community that says we're imperfect, but, and the rest is coming next week, we're transformed and we're changing the world? And the key is this. Why, why do we do all this? It's the same one as Matthew. reason why he followed Christ. So he could have a relationship with Christ. They said in the video, it's all about relationships. It's all about relationship with each other. Most importantly, it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm going to leave you with this one last verse from Hebrews 10. It says this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another as you see the day approaching. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Oh God, as we prepare our hearts, partake in Holy Communion. I pray that we would be encouraged as a church to know that we are striving to be this authentic community that's leaning on the power of God to go out into our community, willing to get into the messy lives of those around, to share our own messy lives with them, to realize, hey, we're just like you, dependent upon God's grace, and just striving to be more like Jesus. I pray you continue to strengthen us and come and examine our hearts now as we come before you in Holy Communion, Holy Spirit, just come and examine our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.